Let's go, girls. Just tell me that I can and show you things that you couldn't Let's go. It's Women Talking Football, WTF for short, of course, not ever to be confused with WFD. Don't do it. Don't do it. We'll catch you. <laughs> My name is Melly Hartley. I am the associate producer here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and Dave Campbell's Texan Live, and I am sitting in the hostess chair once again. And over there, turn the dials, making sure you can see me. She's the executive producer. She's the AP to my AP. It's Miss Ashley Pickle. AP, what's going on, girl? (laughs) God, I really... I have so much energy right now. I know. I've been talking about the fact that I desperately need a soundboard that I can like quickly cut drops like that so I could keep it going. Uh, What's going on, girl? It's something that I would absolutely cut and keep. (laughs) I think that's just so funny. Like I I just have so much energy right now. That is fair. Anyways, we are the women. We are the hostess and co-hosts of Women Talking Football here every Thursday talking football around the Lone Star State, and this is episode 35 already. That's yeah. insane. I, I feel like I say that every week, but <laughs> it's just it's <laughs> We crazy. just keep showing up. They we, try to get rid of us, and we won't go away. <laughs> I know. I know. We just, we just love what we do. We just love it so much. We have a packed show for you today. No guest, but that's okay, because in the back half of the show, it's Mailbag Mania. Well, we'll answer... <laughs> Your questions that you've sent in over the past day or so about Texas high school football, college football, whatever. And if you didn't get a chance to send in your questions, go ahead and do that now in the comments over Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever we are live. I really don't know where we're live right now. Probably not All three. Facebook. All no, three. yeah, I got Facebook working again. Oh, heck yeah. Let's I go. I told Zuckerberg to go and get and now we're on facebook now we're on facebook we finally (laughs) figured it out well yes go ahead and get your questions in texas high school football college football dallas stars memphis grizzlies go stars wine food whatever you mainly want heart your heart desires but before we do that we are continuing our series of 11 UIL 11 man Texas high school football coaches if you missed last week's episode we I guess we started this series out. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about some of the best current UIL 11-man Texas high school football coaches and basically put them into three categories. We talked about the coaches that had the most wins overall in their careers. We talked about the coaches that have the most playoff wins. And then, of course, we talked about the coaches that have acquired the most state titles in their career. So this week we're just going to continue on with that series. So let's go ahead and start off with the coach, the coaches that have been coaching, I guess, the longest. So UAL 11-man Texas high school football coaches that have been coaching in Texas the absolute longest. And we're continuing with only the current coaches in this list. So starting off, of course, we have Randy Allen. 42 years. Now, actually, disclaimer, at the very top of this list, it was Phil Danaher with mm-hmm. 48 years. But, of course, he is not current, so right. he's not included in this list. But at number one, we have Randy Allen. Number two, Jerry Bomar of Grosbeck. The GOAT. The GOAT. Number three, Denny Faith, 36 years at Albany. And that's just at Albany, which is crazy. 36 mm-hmm. total years. Finally, at one school. Finally, getting that finally illustrious getting that. Um, state championship this year. That was still one of the coolest moments of yeah. the entire state championship. Was watching Coach Faith after 36 years get that. Yeah, that was really cool to be down on the sidelines and kind of being in the action with all the kids and and mm-hmm. stuff, celebrating with him. That was that was really cool to see. At number four, Finnis Vanover there in Livingston, been in the game for 36 years. At number. Five, Reginald Samples, 
needs no introduction there. Duncanville, him, he's finally he finally got his first, just like Denny Faith, mm-hmm. uh, this past season for state championship. Thirty three years. At number six, we have Larry Hill of Smithson Valley, 32 years. And that is all at Smithson Valley. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't gone anywhere else. He, is, he has coached at Smithson Valley for 32 years, which is insane. At number seven, Eddie Gill of, El- or of Kalisburg, 31 years. And then rounding out at number eight, we have Mark Kirchhoff with 30 years. And he is currently at Falls City. So really the only two on this list that have been there their entire, been at the same school their entire career are Denny Faith and Larry Hill. Right. Which is really stinking impressive if you think about it. I mean, seeing 36 years, 30 at one school and then being as successful as they are. I mean, that's just, that's a crazy stat. Well, I mean, I think that was the biggest thing about Denny Faith finally winning that championship is it's one thing to be a really good coach and a good enough coach to where a school district does not get rid of you. Right. Because that means that you're having consistency year in and year out for them not to just throw in the talent and hire a new talent. But then to be patient enough to stick somewhere for 36 years and fundamentally coach. Like, I bet you most of the parents on the, of the athletes that he was coaching this year, he probably coached them too. Oh, exactly. And so it's like to, find, to stick with it until you can finally get that championship is just unbelievable. But yeah. those numbers are all completed years. So all of these guys, as, yes. as as of now, are planning to return next year. So they'll be adding another year to this. But these are completed years yes. of UIL 11-man Texas high school football as of, Yes, as of 2022. So pretty stinking cool to see them all stacked up like that. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to transition. We are moving away from just talking about current UIL 11-man Texas high school football coaches, and now we're really talking about the best of the best. So first off, we're going to take a look at the coaches that reached those that 100-win milestone the quickest, and we're doing this in years. So starting off at number one, Gary Joseph, eight years. And I actually, I wrote down here the I, the exact game that got them to mm-hmm. that amount. His so numbers. it was a 55-3 to three win over straight Jesuit Houston for those KD Tigers. That's so crazy. that's kind of cool. And then, of course, you see the little asterisks there by Gary Joseph, meaning that he is, of course, still active. Moving at number two, Kevin Hoffman took him eight years to get to that 100-win milestone. And that 54 to zero win over Dawson this year, actually in 2022, is when he hit that oh, wow. a 100 win milestone. Number three is Hank Carter, of course, still active there at Lake Travis. Took him eight years, and a 49 to 14 win over San Antonio Madison is what him what got him there. Yeah, all of milestone. those years of state championship will will get you adding exactly. up 16 wins pretty quickly. <laughs> yes, very quickly. Yeah, most of these. I mean, there's only couple eight or mostly eight years and then a couple nine years but I mean they're so closely stacked together Mm -hmm. it's just it's so close and we I kind of I guess never mind we'll just get moving on to it um at number four Butch Ford of Salina took him eight years 35 to 14 win over Van Alstine back in 2009 is when he reached that 100 win milestone and number five the recently promoted Rice what is his title at Rice uh, he's the defensive linebackers coach yeah he, defensive analyst linebackers coach yes there at Rice the former North Shore head coach John Kay took him eight years to reach 100 wins and that 44 to 20 went over Umbala Task Casita back in 2021 is when he hmm. acquired 100 wins I was there for that game were you really back yeah. in 2021 yeah I just realized that yeah oh that's pretty cool yeah I was that's neat at number six, at uh, we've got Chris Ketting. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Chris Ketting of Canadian, recently retired as of this week, mm-hmm. actually. Took him just nine years and a 35-6 to six win over West Texas back in 2018 is what got him there. 
At number seven, D.W. Rutledge took him nine years at Converse Judson to reach uh, 100 wins. 21 to 14 win over San Antonio Marshall is what got him here. And I honestly, I actually just realized this. So I went to a Judson game. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, this past season, I can't even remember right now who they played, but it was a home game, and I didn't realize that the stadium was actually named after the mm-hmm. famous D.W. Rutledge. Yeah, so that's really stinking he's cool. He's definitely regarded as one of the best to ever right. do it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then at number eight, Brady Carney. He is still active there at Munster High School. Took him nine years back in 2018. The 37 to six win over Valley View is what got him to that 100-win milestone. Yeah, that's really impressive. Like, to put it into perspective, too, if you didn't do the math, uh, not you, but the folks back I did home, the math. I know I'm you did the I'm math. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I know you did the math. But the, obviously, the most amount of games that you can win in a season is 16. And yes. so if you're going to times that by eight years, you'd be at a, a, the peak number of games you could hit if you went undefeated for eight years right is uh 128 right so i mean these guys that did it in eight years they're only i mean they're playing with 28 extra games that they possibly right. could have won that's insane like <laughs> the consistency that that takes for eight years like eight years is like a third of your life right <laughs> exactly that's wild yeah it really is insane i mean to have that kind of record it's crazy and just to preface this once again this is only uil 11 man football so this does not include six man and this does not include private school mm-hmm. so again only we're only talking about uil 11 man texas high school football head coaches moving on to 200 wins the coaches that reached to uh, the 200-win milestone the fastest. And again, there at the top is Gary Joseph of Katy. At number two, this should come as no surprise, we've got (laughs) Scott Surratt, still obviously active at Carthage, took him 16 years. And actually, he reached that 200-win milestone this year in 2022 with a Mm -hmm. 42-7 win over Pittsburgh. So that's pretty stinking cool. At number three, Steve Lineweaver there at Euless Trinity took him 18 years to reach 200 wins. Back in 2010, it was a 50-3 to win over North Richland Hills. Um, And I found this out while doing this. His son is actually now the head coach at Euless Trinity. Mm -hmm. So his son has taken over at the helm there. Number four, Todd Rogers of Argyle, of course still active, took him 18 years. And he reached that milestone back in 2020 with a 45-7 to win over Anna. Number five, no introduction needed, John King of the Longview Lobos took him 19 years, and he reached this milestone actually this year in 2022 with a 48-11 win over Marshall. I actually remember that game. I don't know why, but I remember Mm -hmm. seeing the result of that game, and I think that was because it was such a big milestone right, for Coach King over there. At number six, Brent West took him 19 years. Uh, he w- he finished at Cisco. Uh, took him 19 yards back in 2019 with a 34 to seven win over Anson. Number seven, Jason Herring of I Refrio. Yep. I I literally cannot. cannot I, I just have one. to always stop and say Refrio because Instead of Refugio. I, <laughs> no, it's it's just I can't say it. it. It's just something in my mind where I always I'm like Refrio, <laughs> like Refrio. <laughs> I know how it's supposed to be pronounced. <laughs> I just can't like ever me. say it. I can't say that uh, Rory, like Rory, the name yes, Rory. Yes. I, it, <laughs> obviously, I sound like a dying dog when I say it. Yeah. So I get it. Something about the way that the letters are put together yeah. does not compute. <laughs> like I always see you say it, and I'm like, dang, I'm jealous of her. <laughs> she can say it. But anyway, it took it took Coach Herring over there at Refurio 19 years to reach the 200-win milestone. That happened back in 2016 with a 69-20 win over Junction. And then lastly, up on this list, the newly retired coach Tim Buchanan of Alito took him 19 years. And that happened back in 2011 with a 62-28 win over Corsicana. So that was the list of coaches who reached 200 wins the fastest. It's crazy that uh, Gary Joseph is the only person, the only coach that has been on both lists so far. Like, if you want to really know, start right? talking about and, and he's still a whole year ahead of everybody else when it comes to 200. Like, you want to talk right. about some people having, like, 
really, really a good stretch of teams. Like we we mentioned the Lake Travis thing earlier with Hank right. Carter. Like they had five unbelievable years. So that really helps when it's like, okay, you're just starting out. You're doing that. It's amazing that he can do that. But then it right. was like, you want to really start talking about longevity here. Exactly. That Gary it's Joseph is, is the longevity factor. Right. And extremely impressive. And then, yeah, like you said, like in this list, we have included coaches that have already retired. Like he's still going and yes. he's at the top of this, list, which, is, <laughs> exactly. it, which is even crazier to think about. So, all right, let's move on to 300 wins. The coaches that have reached that 300 win milestone the quickest. And at the very top, we've got Randy Allen of Highland Park took him 31 years and he reached this milestone not even like recently back in 2011 with a 41 to 27 win over Richardson Pierce that that's really impressive mm-hmm. that happened that long ago yeah. so and he's still climbing he's still there at Highland Park number 2 we've got no introduction Phil Danaher took him 32 years at Corpus Christi Cal Allen to reach that milestone and it happened back in 2005 with a 35 to 14 win over Waco Number three, Reginald Samples. It took him 32 years, and he reached this milestone back in 2021 with a 42-21 to 21 win over DeSoto. Were you at that game? Yes, I was. I, uh, you, didn't you interview him about that after the game? Yeah, I had the opportunity the to, uh, to interview Coach afterwards, and it was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. I remember that because that was, I mean, that, that was a fantastic interview, by yeah. the way. Like, oh, it was really you. great. I actually it went back fun. to watch it for <laughs> this, and then I, it, very impressive. He, uh, he goes, you try to make me cry. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I was like, yes, I am, Coach. Exactly. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool moment. At number four, we got Jay Moore of Salina. It took him 32 years. He reached that milestone back in 1995 with a 23-22 win over West Texas. Number five, Denny Faith of Albany. It took him 33 years to reach that 300-win milestone. Number six, we've got Tom Nolan. He wants to coach at Houston Lamar. It took him 33 years. Hit that milestone back in 2017 when he, when his team got the victory over Alif Elsick. Alif. 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 I always get that wrong. wrong. <laughs> I know all there's a bunch of the schools, and I always get that wrong. Uh, 35 to 14 win. At number seven, we've got Charlie Johnston of Childress. It took him 33 years, and he hit this milestone back in 1999 with a 21 to 14 win over Midland Greenwood. And then rounding it all out at number eight, we've got Curtis Baby. Barbie? Barbe. Does he pronounce it? I think so. Of Newton. Took him 34 years back in 2008 when he reached the milestone with a shutout win, 49-0 win over Buffalo. So now, that was the quickest to reach 300 wins. Now we've got the smallest category in the coaches that have reached 400 career wins. And there's only three of them because of how prestigious this really is. At number one, Randy Allen took him 39 years to reach 400 wins. And just just saying that, 39 crazy. years. Um, I was lucky enough to get to do that interview as That's well. That's right. That's I did right. coach samples after 300, um, and then I did coach Allen after 400. That was another really unbelievable moment. I actually got to walk down onto the field and his, uh, his lovely wife was standing there and I was, I was waiting for him to get done kind of embracing his players and give him a time to soak mm-hmm. it all in. And I, uh, I talked to miss Allen and I said, congratulations, you should be very proud. And she was, uh, it, it was a really, really cool moment. She stopped yeah. and gave me a big old hug and she didn't know exactly who I was. You know, she had right. seen me over the years, but it wasn't a close personal relationship. Um, and she was so proud of him. And so it was, that was a really cool moment. Right. Right. And I, I feel like too, in that moment, 400 wins is a lot, but I don't think there's a lot of people that know how hard that really is because I mean, looking at this list, there's only three coaches that have ever done it in right. history. So it's like, that's a really big accomplishment. Well, and for so long, it was Coach Danaher and Coach right. Allen, you know, chasing G.A. Moore. Like, that's – he's a little bit of, of an older guy than they – you know, different time mm-hmm. period. Um, and so it had always been, okay, hey, look, like, we're, we're chasing that. You're chasing those big ones. And then they both did it. But I know it was just extra special considering Randy Allen being in the company of two of the greatest high school football coaches of all time did it quicker than they did. Right, right. It's just, it's so stinking impressive to reach that milestone. And I'm sure we'll have more coaches to do it here soon. But it's impressive as of to right be a now, part of education for 
39 I years. I know. I mean, like, it's a, it's a, he's going business. into his 43rd, but to, right. to be, I mean, think about loving on kids like that and being out at practice every single day for 43 years. Right. Right. <laughs> that's that's, crazy. Ins- that's seriously insane. People don't work that long. No. Normally people aren't bankers for no. that long, much less out there coaching high school kids. No, no. And what I love, I, what I love about last thing about Randy Allen, but what I love about him as a person too, is that he still has that old coach style to him, you know, with the fedora, <laughs> with his hat with the, yeah, it's so stinking cool. I mean, he's never really changed in that sense. And I think that's really cool to kind of take a timeline back into history of, of football. Um, but he reached that milestone back in 2019 with a 42 to 35 win over Lancaster in overtime. Then Phil Danaher took him 40 years to reach 400 wins back in 2013 with a 42 to zero win over Alice. And then Jay Moore is the last person, last coach on this list, took him 41 years to reach that 400 win milestone back in 2004 with a 22 to 13 win over Dallas St. Mark's. So I really, forgot that 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 Highland Park game went into overtime. Mm-hmm. That because I was like, I'm gonna literally have to go cover Highland Park again next week if they don't win because right. I was working for Bally and they wanted that interview. You know, it's like, it's either going to be me or someone else, you know? Right, right. But seriously, what an impressive list of coaches. I mean, all the way to 100 wins too. I mean, seriously, so, so impressive each Mm -hmm. and every one of those coaches. I'm just so proud that we get to be a part of Texas high school football and just learn every day about the history of it because it truly is one of the most distinctive and incredible sports I think in the country oh yeah well and the fact too that we are able to just talk to talk ball with those guys and they've always it's so funny because those coaches all the coaches that we just talked about are the exact type of coaches that like they want to take time to talk to us and they always say thank you so much for covering our kids you know and I think exactly that that goes back into how in the world are you doing that job for 42 years Mm -hmm. you know exactly and it's like oh because they love the kids that's why when we ask them hey can you fill out this questionnaire they fill out the questionnaire when you ask them hey can we coach can I grab an interview they're like absolutely you know because it's spotlighting my kids exactly which so. brings up a good point. If you haven't turned your questionnaire in, do it. <laughs> yeah, we have like on a magazine left. right now. <laughs> yeah, we are a, we are in a very low number left. So please Especially, turn that in if you have not. <laughs> Especially because I know that y'all have been hearing from Tepper and Step a lot to do it. But yeah. eventually, once they run out of juice, then it is left to Mallory and I. They bring in the we're big the guns. muscle of yep. this organization here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So if you don't want us beating down your door and, and Mallory yeah. threatening you, you better turn in your questionnaire. <laughs> do it. Well, there you go. There's some Texas high school football uh, history and trivia for you. We'll continue this series, I guess, probably through the next couple of weeks because, I mean, we've got so much stuff. We can switch it into players and, and pretty much do whatever mm-hmm. we want with well, this. So. And, yeah, I think that was, like, the biggest thing. From last week, we wanted to show just very basic, here's the UIL 11-man coaches that are currently active mm-hmm. that have, like, here's just kind of the numbers. Today, I think – we talked a lot, you know, like obviously Scott Surratt was the main topic of conversation last week with the mm-hmm. playoff wins that he's had 71 and seven in 16 years and nine of them are state championships. Like if you want to start talking like goat talk of, of who is the goat, he's making a path for himself. But I also right. think that a big portion of this is looking at people like Gary Joseph who reached a hundred first who reached 200 first who are still going guys like, like randy allen and mm-hmm. then even the goats like phil danaher i mean you can there's a different yeah, topic of Wood, conversation like, more exactly like, exactly is there is there a new wave as i feel like ga Moore, gordon wood all of that is is kind of like the old, old school. school here was the fundamental key pieces of what made texas high school football texas high school football i feel like we're finally starting to enter that era of okay, here are the next guys we need to Mm -hmm. be talking about. Like Randy Allen and Phil Danaher are kind of in the same circle. And then I think that people like Scott Surratt. And if you want to include Gary Joseph in either one of those. Tim Buchanan, yeah. Tim Buchanan, exactly. exactly. It's funny to watch the kind of progression of little pockets that you can see. And some people put a lot more, you know, stock into what the playoffs numbers were rather than, okay, yeah, they reached 300 wins or 100 wins the quickest, but what, how long is their longevity Mm -hmm. there? That's so the GOAT conversation will always be a thing. I think if you want to talk about a new school GOAT, I think that it's Scott Surratt. 
Yeah. I don't have any reason no, to not I, think I th- that. I completely agree with you. I think if you want to talk about Phil Danaher, Gary Joseph, or Randy Allen being in that one pocket, and then obviously the fundamental ones, I think you have to evolve and look at the best of all time for right. different eras. Yeah, because you can't just put those two, I guess, in the same pocket just because of how, you know, just the length between the two, you mm-hmm. know, age groups and stuff like that. But, yeah, I really do think that it's, it's a good thing to split it up between, like you said, the yeah. new wave and then, I guess, the, the old school kind of coaching wave. Right. Because Be- things have developed. Things have evolved. Yes. You know, and the, the style of coaching, the way of coaching, like, mm-hmm. it's just – right that we do split those up into two separate categories right like that, and like how we did it's like scott surratt has nine state championships he's never lost in a state championship i also don't think that scott surratt is going to coach for 43 years right like i think that he will have one of the absolute most decorated you know careers mm-hmm. but i don't think that he's gonna be randy allen and be coaching when he is you know i don't know how old coach allen is but approaching a uh, you know the upper part of the scale right. there. Exactly. I agree. Well, Pickle, before we get to mailbag mania, I like that. Thank you. It's very good. I try. Let's hear a word from our good friends at VCR now. Born and bred in Texas hits a little different, as it should. Texas love doing business with fellow Texans. VCR Now takes its Texas roots as seriously as its many partnerships with schools and universities around the state. It's also why we're so proud to promote our brand in the pages of the Texas Bible, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, and on the airwaves of Texas Football Today. Driven by producing quality broadcast video, state-of-the-art audio, and LED video scoreboards at affordable prices, VCR Now makes sure to listen to your needs in its athletic department before recommending the next best steps. Building great products is our business and it's our focus on building meaningful long-term partnerships with our clients that sets us apart. From our 24-7, 365-day help desk, the training lab in our hometown of Red Oak, or our sports marketing business plan that puts money back in the hands of our athletic departments we support, VCR Now is built to last. Reach out to us today at info at vcrnow.com or by calling 855 go vcr now again that's info at vcrnow.com or by calling 855 go vcr now all right ap now that we have paid the bills it's time for mailbag mania here on women talking football mailbag what do we mania. have what do we, what's our first question oh good idea hang on uh, let me pull that up I was we so had ex- a lot of questions. Thank you guys for sending them mm-hmm. in. A lot of really good variety, too. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll go rapid fire here. Is Texas or TCU more likely to win the Big 12 next season? In their final year of the Big 12, for Texas at least. Big, yeah. Do you have an answer? Do you mean um, first? Well, I mean, we just we literally just did a yeah. segment on uh, on TFT that was looking at um, ESPN's uh, – FPI, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. things, um, and they have Texas being in the college football playoffs. So yes. that's huge. Yes, I think that TCU is going to be missing some really key pieces. We'll mm-hmm. have to. I think that we'll have a better idea of that heading into maybe the second or third game of just seeing how other mm-hmm. people step up. But that being said, I think Texas should be the favorite. There's no reason to. No. Do I want to say that Texas is going to make it to the college football playoffs yet? Absolutely not. That's they've got tough. they've got a lot to prove before then. But if you look at solely just the roster, the amount of depth and the level of skill guys that they have, there's no reason they shouldn't win the Big 12 championship. Like if they don't win the Big 12 championship, something went wrong yeah. in in my mind. I agree. With, I 100% completely agree with you here. And I think that if they're in the hunt for a conference championship, this is the year to do it. Because I hate to say it, but next year when they're hopping up to the SEC, that's a whole other ball game. Yeah. Because it is... It is a dogfight week in and week out. When you've mm-hmm. got team, when you're consistently playing teams like Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, I mean, that's just a different. Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> that's just a A&M. different. Texas A&M right down the road. I mean, that's just a different level of college football. And I think Texas, I think Texas is in a better position now in their final year of the Big 12 to win a conference title over TCU. Because I mm-hmm. think Texas. 
Steve Sarkeesian has already come out and said that Quinn Ewers is going to be the starter mm-hmm. over Arch Manning. So they've got a veteran quarterback at the helm there. Mm-hmm. They've got a really veteran, experienced offensive line to back him up. I think their wide receiving core is insane. Their wide receiving core is insane. They're losing Bijan Robinson, but they're bringing in a core group of running backs from the transfer portal. I really think that Texas is in a better position to claim a Big 12 title in their final year. And I really think that they are in the hunt for it because they know this is their final year. They know mm-hmm. things are about to get a lot tougher. Maybe not a lot tougher, but just a different there's going to be a different feel because they're not used to playing they're not they're not playing they're not used to playing these SEC teams you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um SEC talent is crazy like we all know so I think that they're definitely they got a chip on their shoulder they have something to prove and they I think also in the back of their heads they're like man we are going to the SEC we have something that we need to prove that we are we're going to be okay stepping up into an SEC role yeah and I mean we talked about that from a lot of different perspectives of like from everybody that's moving. I mean, it was it should have been big for Houston to make a lot of noise mm-hmm. before they went up to the Big 12 for Conference USA moving into the American. Like right. we we uh SMU is actually the team in the other team in Texas that they had favored to win their conference. Um they think really? that SMU okay. will win the American. Um they had UTSA all the way down at like fourth or fifth on that list moving in the American and I was hmm. like they put uh, Tulane, which played in a New Year's Six Bowl, I think they're bringing some some people back. Okay, am maybe. I crazy or did they beat USC? They beat USC, right? Tulane, Tulane? Did? yes, they beat USC. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then they had Memphis ahead of okay of UTSA, and I was like, there's no way. But UTSA is coming in as the two time defending yeah that's conference USA championship like they've got a chip on their shoulder saying okay we're going to go into it that's what Texas needs moving into the SEC is Absolutely. the point of all of that you want that and saying hey we're champs walking into this league and we're going to try to be champs again actually uh, yes I agree with you there and I again I think I th- just think that TCU is losing too much in key positions and uh, they're bringing in a lot of guys from the transfer portal which I think is really good but also I mean those guys are gonna ha- they're gonna take time that they need to acclimate mm-hmm. you know to to the schemes and and what uh coaches build over there yeah so I it's funny I for I didn't realize this was one of the questions but one of the questions was uh mm-hmm. who wins the American Athletic Conference this year and yeah. why and so anyway a lot of people think that SMU I think that that's a very reasonable um have you just on that same point have you seen all of the transfers that they're bringing mm-hmm. in, I think eighty-five percent of them are power from Power Five mm-hmm. schools, which I don't know how much weight you put into that it nowadays. Think with, about with when all, when they were really good. I mean, right. think about the years when, and I know this was under a different coach, but the reason that Sonny Dykes was so good at SMU was because he utilized, He found a way to really utilize the transfer portal and yes. say, hey, come back and play in the DFW. We're the team of Dallas. Right. We're all that. That's how we got Shane Bouchel. That's how they ended up going on and almost winning the American Conference. Like, right. Rhett Lashley has followed that in a, in a say, very positive way to yes. a T, and I think that it's going to pay dividends this year. It's working. It definitely is. Lashley is, is really followed in the, in the footsteps of Sonny Dykes um there but yeah I mean it's crazy to see how many transfers it's I went to the TCU and SMU game with Mike Craven our college football insider and we counted like how many transfers they had on Mm -hmm. their roster and like almost half of them were which is kind of cool yeah I mean and like also this year there's a ton of them coming from Miami which obviously Lashley's using his Miami pool as you should as you should right um but they're definitely going to be good I think they're going to be a definite top contender of the American I do too I think Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say who I think is going to win yeah, the go. American. I, I hate to stray away from UTSA. Yeah. I hate it. I hate to stray away from them. Dude, they have so much coming back. Mm-hmm. They've got an extremely veteran quarterback in Frank Harris. He yeah. is the guy. They're bringing back a core, core, core wide receiver group. Their offensive line is healthy. Mm-hmm. They're all veteran. Their defense is healthy. They're com- they're all, most of them are coming back. It's hard to pick against a UTSA squad that is as veteran and as experienced. And not to mention, you have one of the best G5 coaches in the entire country with Jeff Trailer at the helm. Well, and that's the other thing is we we put so much stock into being a veteran team. But if Mm -hmm. you're a bad veteran team, yes, that bumps you up a little bit because you have a year's experience under your belt. They're a two-time championship 
winning veteran squad. Mm-hmm. Jeff Trailer convinced the best quarterback that UTSA has ever seen to come back for another, another year. year. He got the we were at the conference championship mm-hmm. game down in San Antonio in the Alamo Dome. He got the chant one more year started. Jeff Trailer, the head coach, mm-hmm. started mm-hmm. that chant for his quarterback and convinced donors to do NIL, you know, like I yep. mean that's that's it. And I just, you know, it would be awesome to see SMU and UTSA go ahead, like yeah. head to head for it. Um, I agree. I I think that those two have to be. The, I would need to look at two, a, a deeper dive into Tulane's roster and what all they yeah. have coming back because I can't. Like obviously, I was at the Cotton Bowl right. when they won their New Year's Six Bowl this year, so it's like that's great. I I know that they but. have. They've got that quarterback coming back. Yeah, I can't remember really his good. name, but they do. I know for a fact that they do have that quarterback coming back. Well, and it's it's not to mention. I mean, they've been playing against American talent. For, for years, years yeah. they know these teams really, really well. And mm-hmm. UTSA teams like UTSA and North Texas, they just don't, Mm-mm. you know. So I don't know how much stock that you put into that if you're used to your competition or Mm-mm. whatnot. But I think those I are by far the top three to pick, teams. Yes, UTSA, Tulane, and I, I'd argue SMU in there as well. Yeah, I think those are definitely the three front runners yeah. to win the American I don't next know what year. What they're thinking about Memphis? What do they know about Memphis that we don't, I don't know either? But is uh, Seth Hennigan still the quarterback still over there? Is yeah, he? Yeah, and he started to heat he's up great. pretty well. He last started as a year. freshman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's so, a really good quarterback. I just don't over think there. they have the supporting cast. Now their basketball team's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. like, I just don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know much football. <laughs> right. And I truly like I, I just don't know much about the bottom tier of the American either, just no. because we've never really had to pay close attention, attention to, to him it, because we've yes. been so focused on Conference USA. We've had so many teams mm-hmm. in Conference USA. Rice is going over there now, too, to mm-hmm. the American. I mean, it's just going to look a com- like a completely different conference than before. And I just yep. don't think we really how do you pick? I mean, it's just it's hard. Yeah, it's really difficult. So who knows? That's our biggest take on on what the Americans going to look like next year, but what's next? Um, who would you take number one in the draft this year? Whew. There's a couple of couple of guys I've got in mind. I'll okay. go first, though. Yeah, because I have. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea and have not had two seconds to pay attention to anything yeah. about the draft. So I'm out on this one. I don't know. <laughs> so I know that Carolina has the first pick because the Chicago Bears did have the first pick, but Carolina traded up to yes. get that first pick because you know what they need. That team needs a quarterback. <laughs> Desperately. Desperately. I found this stat. So they, need they finished 31st and 30th in total QBR in the past two seasons. That's horrible. So they need a quarterback bad. Yeah. And, I mean, just looking at the pool of quarterbacks that are available this year, I think you got to go with Bryce Young yeah. at number one. He's clearly the best quarterback in this group of, I don't know, what, what do you call them, draftees or – what do you call I mean th- uh, this yeah. group yeah like this this group of yes them I think Bryce now I think you could argue, argue CJ Stroud too from Ohio State I think yeah. he's a really good quarterback but I do think that Bryce Young is ultimately going to be probably the first quarterback drafted yeah. I agree so it's not I don't think it's going to be anything but a quarterback I think Carolina I think they traded up to the number one spot for to a very a specific reason yeah. I also think that you're not going to go number one and get. I mean, unless yeah, they, unless it's a running back situation. But right, how, right. It's kind of how much stock do you put into quarterback versus running back at this point? You have to try and get a quarterback rather than a running back. Shelf life is just not long. It's not feasible anymore. in the NFL anymore. And that's another thing. Like there are so many running back like. Zeke you know like Mm -hmm. that yeah they've got some mileage on him but go get your number one quarterback and then you can fill in the supporting cast of running backs that just haven't panned out other places right I mean Zeke is a perfect perfect example of that I mean Mm -hmm. he was fantastic in his couple of first rookie years and then you just start to see the wear and tear that the running back position in the NFL eventually takes yeah because you're playing high school then you're playing college exactly you know like I mean he was a beast at Ohio right. State and the amount of contact that you have as a, as a running back mm-hmm. it's just it's an insane amount so I think Bryce Young is clearly the number one answer here 2021 Heisman candidate he's just a, he's a very impressive impressive signal caller that I think will fit really really well into their offensive scheme there at Carolina so that's my pick all right what's next what is your favorite jersey of all time hmm. I have one okay my favorite jersey is my Jaron Jackson Jr. jersey of the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, so jersey that you own. 
Oh, are we doing? I fi- I interpreted that as the jersey that I own. Oh, okay, okay, we can do that. Do you have a favorite like designed jersey at any point in time? What do you mean by that? Like, like uh, so like when I think of like some of my favorite jerseys of all time, like I don't own a Spurs Fiesta jersey, but like when they brought those oh, out, I loved them. But like, I see what you mean there. Like, okay, you know, a lot of teams will do like their city edition jerseys and mm-hmm. stuff. Like for me, it's it's always the old school Miami Vice heat jerseys like i that's a really good those absolutely love those i can't remember which year when it came out uh, but it was a handful of years ago that they came out with one of their miami vice ones that was just like is that so that's the uh that's like the bright pink and like the turquoise yeah right i mean those i honestly think that those might be the best of all time so who was it the heat yeah Oh yeah! Ooh yeah! So like, I love this. I don't know one. if you Let me could see. see. I can yeah, I don't turn know if it you around can without see. showing too much. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly it. So that's um, yeah. That is like, beautiful. I I think I kind of agree with you on that one. What's what's your favorite jersey that you own? Just going off of that last. Um, hang on, this is the one that I was talking about. I okay, love yeah, that's that one. beautiful. I absolutely mainly because you can. I did like the ones that they did that were like kind of faded into it. Like they had the ones that were like half blue, half pink faded, and I like oh, yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. But that's a much. little. Yeah, it's a little much. I like those because it's like it's very clear what you're doing. It's very clear mm-hmm. what you're going for, and it's not too much. So I, I yeah. really, really like those. My favorite jersey that I own. When I was working at the athletic department. They gave me a mean green jersey to MC in, oh, yeah. and they they embroidered pickle on the back of it, and oh, it was a cool. number seventy five like Mean Joe Green. So out oh, of jerseys that I that's own, cool. that's probably it. That that's there's no comparison it's, there, and it was like like specifically given to me, so that was really cool. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that's pretty stinking cool. Yeah. I think mine's got to be my Jaron Jackson Jr. Jersey. I w- yeah, that's fair. I will say cool. if like talking about other jerseys that we like. This doesn't have anything. I love when blue blood college football programs don't switch their jerseys. Like you, the University of Texas does a really good job of that. They have Alabama their, does too. Alabama does. Like they have their two colors, like the white or the the red or the burn mm-hmm. orange or whatever it is, and it's like those are your jerseys. Those yeah. are what you're sticking with. It's as cool as it would be to go to Oregon and get a new jersey every single time. It's I just like some sometimes ones. it's like, yeah, what are you <laughs> it's doing? It's too much. Or there's certain ones, like I know that one that caused a lot of controversy was TCU's black ones with mm-hmm. the purple or the red, red all around. It's supposed to be the Horn Frog thing, but there's just a lot of times with jerseys like that or city edition jerseys, like the Rangers just released their city editions yeah. and people had a lot of hot takes on those. So there are just times where I feel like it's too much. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like that Miami one. Cause you knew exactly what they were going for. And it was just enough. Like right. I'm very fundamentalist, I guess when it comes to jerseys. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the schools that they stick with what their Jersey is. Agreed. I love it. I've always loved Texas's all white jerseys with just like the burnt orange number mm-hmm. on it. I think that looks so classy. And like Michigan state does a really good job of that too. I love our all green jerseys mm-hmm. with the white lettering. lettering yeah i just think that looks so slick and then we've got white pants with it oh yeah. I just that's my favorite uniform that after we have. i just get done talking about how much i don't like when teams like spice it up i will say when north texas came out with the some of them had like chrome on them with the uh, diving yeah. eagle but the one that i liked the best was the matte black helmet and it had a green diving eagle yes. on the side and then they would wear black and black like it was full yes. black they would always do it around like the halloween game was the big time that uh via the equipment manager guy would like put those out but that all black look on north texas with that matte black helmet i always wanted to just try and steal one of those Agreed. when i was walking by because like you're walking in the bowels of the stadium mm-hmm. and you see one and i was like can I it would get be out very of here easy for me to with just a matte black helmet? Wouldn't it those be a shame? Rule. Wouldn't it be a shame if I just, just whoosh. took it? <laughs> yeah, those are sick. Via's though. gonna run across this and be like, "Pickle, I never trusted you." <laughs> There's a reason I never trusted you. Um, all right, what's next? All right, two more here. Yeah, and then we'll wrap it up. Which classification do you think, top to bottom, has the most parity? I'll let you answer this one because you had a really, we talked about this one beforehand Mm -hmm. and you had a really good explanation as to why you picked this classification. Yeah. I genuinely think you could talk me in a 4A, but I want to say 5A. And Mm -hmm. my reasoning behind it is 
that's a level to where a lot of 5A schools are pretty much in the same type of area, whether that mm-hmm. be like economically speaking or kind of on the, they're not right in the big parts of the city, but they're a little bit outside. Right. But the biggest reason that I think that 5A probably would be the best answer is because when you start getting into those lower classifications, the gaps makes such a big difference and like Mm -hmm. I always think back to when I was in high school we were just over the cutoff line at Lano to be in the 3A like just over like three or four people Mm -hmm. Liberty Hill that is very very close down to Austin was just underneath the cutout we would have been going down they would have been going up so when we had about 500 kids they had about a thousand kids they're living in the big old city like it's that's hard to compete with so i think that when you start talking about the lower classifications you just don't have the numbers like you Mm -hmm. kind of here are your athletes and this is what you have to work with right i feel like when you get into that 5a level most of the time kids are choosing what sports they want to do like so you have your football guys and most of the some of the time your football guys are not playing basketball and they're not playing baseball when you're in a small town you're playing every single sport that's so a you really never good point get that a I didn't chance think about. yeah you never get a chance to focus on one sport there you're a one horse town so you're working with what you got mm-hmm. i think if i had to choose the one that's like i feel like the most even playing field 5a would probably be it I think so too. And just my personal opinion. (laughs) I agree. And one of the points that I brought up too, is when you look at these massive cities like Arlington ISD, or you can look at Denton ISD when they have, I guess Denton ISD is probably not the greatest because they've got probably, they've got five and six, but Arlington ISD, right. Where they've got six or seven massive six A schools. You're pulling from the same kids Mm -hmm. in that city. So there, yeah, there is for, for the most part, there's going to be a lot of parody there. Mm -hmm. It's not like in the small towns where, you know, this city just happens to be really, you know, there's a ton of athletes there, you know, and the the next city isn't, you know? So I, I do, I agree with you that I think the higher the classification, probably the more parody there is. Yeah. Well, I mean, and like, like here, like Mark, feels like a perfect example because they're Mm -hmm. all like it's all the same family like every single Mm -hmm. really good prospect that they've put out have all been part of that same like family bloodline they've just lived there forever so it's like yeah you get one really good family bloodline going and then it's like hey you know we've always had oh here's this brother and here's this brother and here's this brother and so it's like yeah but you don't I just, yeah, I feel like, I feel like 5A is right. probably my answer. Well then, yeah. I and mean, what if you get a kid from, I don't know, let's say pff, Albany or something mm-hmm. and he's a really good football player. Like he is, he's a difference maker, mm-hmm. um, but he wants to play basketball. Yep. He, he wants to quit football mid season and play basketball from the start of their season. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just don't have that. I feel like in the 6A, 5A right division classifications because you're not pulling from that same group of kids yeah in small schools it's either you just have an unbelievable class of athletes that Mm -hmm. just carry on success or yeah your football team's really good but your basketball team's awful exactly or your basketball team is awful and your football team's really good most of the time it's just you can tell that both sports are usually on at one time because it's just you just Mm -hmm. have a naturally athletic class going through it yeah agreed there so all Do right. we have an ender? Last one. Best state parks in Texas and best national park trips y'all have ever had. Love it. Disclaimer, I have not been to a Texas state park, which is ridiculous, I know. How? Um, it's, I don't know. I just, I just never have. Um, I've been to a lot of the nationally recognized state parks. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got it pulled up here. So I've been to, I've been to Yosemite. I feel like that's a very yeah. common one. I've been to Yosemite. Yosemite and Yellowstone. I've not been to Yellowstone, but those are the two kind of well-known ones. I've uh, been to the Grand Canyon National Park. That, that's got to be up there. I mean, I think it's either between the Hawaii Volcano Chain mm-hmm. National Park or probably the Grand Canyon National Park because I feel like between volcanoes and massive Grand Canyons, I feel like they're just – two totally different what do you call them landmarks or just earth created things Things, yeah that are so different and you just never see like if you're talking about i don't know what's a mountain i don't think like trees in a mountain i feel like that's a very 
common. You can see that a lot of different places. You can see that a lot of different places. You're not going to see a volcano every, everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see a massive Canyon everywhere you go. So I think between the Grand Canyon national park and then the volcanoes in Hawaii, I think that's got to be two of the coolest national parks that I've been to. Yeah. My favorite state park in Texas. Now disclaimer there, I have not been to big Ben or Palo Duro. So those are two Mm -hmm. big ones, like big holes that I'm missing on my Texas state park. I've been to a bunch of Texas state parks. I think my favorite one is I love Garner state park down in Concan, Mm -hmm. um, go float the Frio and then go out to Garner and they've got a dance hall and, and obviously all the rest of the stuff that the campgrounds have to offer. But I would say Garner state park is probably the, my favorite one that I've been to here. Um, enchanted rock is really cool. I just, I grew up right there. So I've done that a million million times times. but enchanted rock if you haven't done it is that's that's one of the only ones in texas other than big ben and palo duro that are like more singular Mm -hmm. things just like you were talking about with the grand canyon yeah Uh, rather than just a state park with hiking trails yes um national parks we got to get out to big ben we do i've been to yosemite like you said um let's see uh, I love, I've been to the Hawaii one was unbelievable. I've mm-hmm. uh, lucky enough to do that one as well. So that was really, really fun. Um, the Sequoia national park in uh, California, California is awesome. Sequoia trees are so dope, but the one in California, cause we did Yosemite, the redwoods, redwoods the Sequoias cool. all in the same trip. But the, the other one we did on that trip was Kings Canyon national park. Oh, I've never heard of that one. Unbelievable. It's, it's a lot of driving and stuff, but there is a lodge at the very bottom of the canyon. So you drive up the mountain and then have to drive back down into the canyon. Mm-hmm. There's a lodge at the bottom of the canyon, and we actually we stayed one night in the in the little lodge no down there. Kidding. It ruled like the water coming off the mountain and into the canyon was like rushing by on the drive and stuff there's like wow. a lot of white water rafting out yeah. there but king's canyon is a hidden gem out there in california that's that's probably been one of my favorite ones that i've been to i've done olympia up in uh seattle too yeah. so that was cool yeah i've been to white sands too in new mexico that was pretty that's just different yeah i mean like there's again, just yeah, singular again white thing <laughs> exactly exactly yeah you can actually go down you can hike down into the grand canyon which i want to do someday yeah like i i don't know how that'd probably take me years unless i just jump but <laughs> well let's not do that <laughs> incorrect but it, yeah you can actually hike down or you know i think you can actually take like a helicopter down there which is kind of cool but that is cool um, that seems quicker that does probably seem a lot quicker. Safer. I think I would probably prefer that method. Oh, God. Every, okay. Because hiking guess, is just... Hmm. I guess we'll end it with this one because the people are demanding it. What is better, Apple Music or Spotify? There ain't Spotify no question. And now we're done. Here we go. I'll put it up. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. You can, you can listen catch this. On you can listen to former episodes, whatever you like. Rate, uh, review, and subscribe to us on Apple on Music. On Spotify. Do you have any final words? Because I don't even want to give them to you. Spotify started a new thing right now that's really, really cool. That you, uh, like, it It makes, you have the option to shuffle whatever playlist or shuffle suggestions. And so it's like a radio type thing. It Pretty rules. sure Apple Music has that too. No, so. they do not. But anyways, Apple Music. Spotify. All the way, there is no debate there. Thank you to everyone who participated in Mailbag Mania. We're going to try to do this probably once a month because I just think it's really fun and it's just different good from yeah you guys have really good questions so we're excited to keep on doing mailbag media with that being said thanks for watching uh for Ashley Pickle I'm Mallory Hartley catch us next Thursday it'll be a pre-recorded episode but we'll still be here at 2 p.m.